0: Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who tells me frequently, show me some appreciation, show me every day by day by day. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate.
1: Hola, Ben So
0: for this episode, we have a special guest. You may remember him as a founding member of the Hooters, or you may know him as a songwriter who's penned such memorable songs as one of us, made famous by Joan Osborne. Please welcome to the podcast, Eric Bazilian.
2: Hello. Thank you. Nice to be here.
0: Absolutely. Great to have you. So premise of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each podcast episode, I ask the all-important question, so let's start with wayne what t-shirt are you wearing wayne
1: well about the closest thing to prog rock i have is this new rush t-shirt i got from hot topic recently okay all right
0: and what uh is it just the logo is it yeah
1: it's uh the logo from the uh in the style of the the first album okay
0: how about you eric what t-shirt are you wearing
2: I am wearing a T-shirt from Hellstone Music, which is a music store here in Stockholm, uh, one of the few great neighborhood stores. Um, the T-shirt says ADHD in the style of the ACDC t- T-shirt. So uh, when nice. people nice. see it, they really go, yeah, it's ACDC, man. No, you go, no, no, no. Look again. ADHD. <laughs> Hellstone Music, Stockholm, Sweden.
0: Very good. Very good. And um, so – It's Saturday afternoon and I've been busy with uh, a honeydew list. So um, I'm just wearing an old Seattle Seahawks t-shirt. So nothing even music related, but um, I'm missing sports right now, man.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Missing sports. All right. Well, Erica, I have to thank Matt Nathanson for connecting us so he he tweeted at you told you that uh he had just been on our podcast and that you needed to come on our podcast as well
2: so cool so cool yeah yeah That's and
0: cool. uh you you've worked with matt correct
2: i have you know we we met i think a very long time ago i'm guessing 2002 maybe that far back and um we wrote a bit together, recorded a bit together. I actually produced the cover he did of "Laid" for the American Pie Three soundtrack.
0: Very good.
2: And we really yeah. connected. We've stayed in touch. We haven't really managed to cross paths uh, creatively, work-wise, since then. But uh, you know, we encourage each other.
0: Very good. I, you know, and I was looking at your bio. I didn't realize that you've you've penned a ton of songs with artists that everybody knows. I mean, I already brought up the, the one of us, which is wow. I mean, how huge was that song back in the, back in the nineties?
2: Yeah, that's, um, that song has had quite a life, you know, it, it just, uh, it just keeps on going. You know, it just, it showed up in a, an HBO series a few weeks ago called, uh, <laughs> Oh, what's it called? It's about a weed salesman, weed delivery man in, in New York. Um, I can't keep track of all of them, but they, they use the song, and it's like, okay, cool.
0: You got to love those uh, those placements as well, because that's an extra, you know, extra paycheck for you, right?
2: The, yeah, well, there is that too, but I mean, it's just that it's just seeing the context in which it's used. I, um, in this one, they're singing it in the '90s at a Christian summer camp, <laughs> like a worship <laughs> camp, which is like, <laughs> okay. Um I think uh, it, uh in the first episode of The New Girl, uh, Zoe Deschanel Chanel it.
0: Um, oh, okay.
2: And, yeah, so it you know it just shows up in the weirdest places and it, I I think it's awesome.
0: And Prince covered it too.
2: Prince did cover it. Um the, the greatest cover of it actually has not been heard. Um I recorded it with Brad Roberts from the Crash Test Dummies. Oh. Because when I wrote the song, I actually heard his voice in my head. And my original demo of the song, I'm singing like that. So I, oh, wow. it was great wish fulfillment for me to have him sing it. And I talked about it in some interviews. So he, um, when I, uh, I ran into him at a show and he said, "Well, oh, thank you for uh, saying nice things about me. I said, well, you can thank me by recording the song with me. So I actually have it sitting on my hard drive. And to, to me, he is the definitive voice of that song.
0: So when are we going to hear that?
2: Um, you know, it's one of those things that's just on my permanent to-do list, like get in touch with Brad and say, Hey, can we release this?
0: Right. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, let me, let me just jot a couple names down of other people that you've worked with. So Robbie Williams, yep, Ricky Robbie Martin, Roosevelt.
2: Yep.
0: Bon Jovi journey, yep. the Scorpions. So Scorpions, how did that happen?
2: You know, their manager, Got a hold of me, and um, uh, he also managed a couple of other artists that I that I knew um, and had, had worked with. But um, it was just sort of an out of the blue thing. The Scorpions, yeah, why not? And it, <laughs> right. And, um, Absolutely. And I really had, you know, I, I, I've got this whole like hard rock side to me that has to. I kind of had to put uh, put to sleep for a while because that's just not what we do in the Hooters. Um, although right. we do rock very hard, and when we when we play it at, at hard rock festivals, they love us. They see the accordion, the mandolin, they go nuts. Go figure. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they, they you know they flew me over there, and it, we connected am- amazingly. I mean, just really, those guys are great. Um, you know, Rudolf and Matthias are great guitar players. Klaus is an amazing singer, great lyricist, great songwriter, and we, we wrote a bunch of stuff. I I I've got a bunch of songs on their albums now.
3: Yeah,
0: who who's the primary songwriter for them? Typically, is it Klaus or is it Rudolph? Well,
2: I th- it's Klaus and Rudolph. Rudolph is kind of the riff Um and Klaus is really the, the lyric the lyric guy.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So, one artist that you've also co written a ton of songs for, I wish more people knew, and I'm talking about Amanda Marshall. I didn't oh. realize that your fingerprints were all over her second record oh, i oh, fell yeah. in love with her what, what what was that first record 96
2: 95 96 97 96 yeah probably yeah yeah
0: yeah and i didn't, and I didn't realize until I looked at the 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 credits i'm like oh eric co-wrote like almost all of these songs
2: i think every song but one or two and i produced yeah. i produced four of the tracks three or four of the tracks yep Okay. Singles. I produced the singles. I love her. Um, yeah, that was just a an out of the blue thing again. Her an A and R person at her label contacted me out of the blue. I'd heard her. I like liked her voice a lot. I wasn't nuts about the first album. It was just kind of generic for my taste. But then she said, "Just meet her. I guarantee you're going to love her." And, yeah. You know, we just connected, and, and we're still in touch. And she really, I I've worked with some of the greatest voices in the world, and no one is better than her.
0: Yeah, is it is it because she's Canadian? Is that is that the reason why that she's just not connected with the rest of the world?
2: It's because she's Amanda. You know, it's it's weird. I to me, she's just one of the most open, wonderful people. Um, you know, I think she just had a bad run of luck bet- between her management and her label, and yeah. it soured her to the whole thing. But you'd have you know you'd have to ask
0: her about that. But, gotcha. Um, she's still but- making music.
2: She, she is, uh, she hasn't released any. I, you know, I call her every few months and say, come on. Oh, I'm sending it, I'm sending it, and I'm still waiting. But, yeah, you know, I mean, I, w- one vocal I recorded with her, uh, I, I wept. <laughs> when, we, when it was finished, it was like, I'm never going to record a vocal this good again in my life.
0: Wow, that's cool. Uh, so I was going to ask you a bunch of Hooters-related questions. You can but I just listened to the deep dive episode of Nervous wow. Night that you did with our friend John Lammer of the Hustle Podcast. Yep, and he, he pretty much asked you every question I had about that great record.
2: Oh, okay. Well, there are actually other great records, and it's funny because oh yeah, because in Europe they don't know that record.
0: But yeah, that's that's what you that's what you said. Like they they know One Way Home more than they know Nervous Night, which that kind more. of blew my mind.
2: And what they really mostly know is Hooters' greatest hits, which um, Sony released at the same time as we released our our fourth album, which was on MCA. So, so rather than buying our new album, they bought the old album, which our old label owned. And, um, uh, but uh, yeah, and it's funny. And we and we dance is not a big deal here. It, you know, we close our shows with it, and they love it. But Johnny B is the one in Europe. Johnny B and fi- five hundred miles and satellite.
0: Yeah, all all three awesome songs.
2: We we just kept having bigger hits in smaller countries. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Which, um, so you're where are you right now? You're in Sweden, right?
2: I'm in Sweden. Yep. Yep. Okay. My, fam- my family's here. I'm I'm kind of back and forth, but since this whole Corona thing, um, I'm mostly forth. <laughs> so i'll be here until until whenever
0: so usually we say as a joke well i'm i'm you know my album is big in belgium so now you just say i'm i'm big in sweden right
2: yeah well bigger in germany but yeah
0: yeah okay all right so um what's funny about nervous night so i um i have Actually, three copies of it. So one's on cassette. I have two two copies on vinyl. I got the last one in an auction of records that I want on eBay. So when all this Corona stuff is over, um, I'm going to send you one of the vinyl to have you sign it for me.
2: Cool. Okay. Well, maybe by then I'll be back in the U.S. So you can save some money on
0: shipping. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I will. I do want to talk a little bit about One Way Home because it. It has my favorite Hooters song on it. Satellite is my favorite song by you cool. guys. Cool. Um, and, but I, <laughs> the one thing about it is that record has one of my favorite things on, on it. And it's, it's totally an inside joke that uh, only probably makes me smile. But every time I meet a person named Carla, yeah. I ask her if it's Carla with a K.
2: Of course you do,
0: and of course nobody nobody understands what I'm asking except for me. And it only makes me smile. So, where 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 did that uh, where's where's the inspiration from Carla with Kate? Where did that come from? The
2: inspiration for Carla with a K is a great story. I even tell it on stage sometimes. We were on our first national tour, and um, we got to New Orleans, and um, we did our show. We were opening for Squeeze. And then we went out and we met a bunch of kids, students at Tulane at uh, Pat O'Brien's, the legendary Pat O'Brien's where we drank a bunch of hurricanes. And um, (laughs) one of them, one of them was named Carla with a K and um, we hung out with her and a couple of her friends until we went to, uh, to get beignets at six in the morning and then went back, went back to our bus. Um, So the next day we were driving to San Antonio and, uh, I picked up my mandolin and started playing a little mandolin melody. And Rob had a melodica and started doing it. And um, we wrote this whole little melodic structure thing. And then someone said, well, wh- what are we going to call it? And Rob and I both looked at each other and just said, Carla with a K. <laughs> and it's funny Perfect. because the song has nothing to do to do with with, with the girl. Although we, I did actually get her address and, and, and told her that we had written a song inspired by her name that she was very happy about
4: Freedom has its ups and downs You walk the streets a lonesome town Try to find some comfort me. Somebody who will talk to me Well, I'm here. All-
0: have you have you seen her since uh, since you guys wrote the song and put it out?
2: You know, it's funny, she came to a few of our shows. Um, after that, when we were doing the song, it's you know kept saying, "Oh, you wrote that song about." You. No, we did not write the song about you. We were inspired by your name, right? Um, but but yeah, if you want if you want the song to be about you, fine, it's about you. And actually, I you know Facebook has make, put everyone in touch with everyone. And she, I last I heard, she was building schools in Indonesia for, for Very in, like, cool. in poor villages. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, we, we, chose, we chose well for someone to write a someone to write a song inspired. Yep.
3: By
0: absolutely only time i saw you guys live was uh for that album so you guys are oh, cool. open for for brian adams yep it, not pandering but you guys were way better than brian uh, <laughs> uh and i i wore that concert t-shirt proudly for years wayne i'm sure you remember me uh, wearing the one way home uh sure and that was another t-shirt that was thrown away in the great t-shirt purge of 2003 um oh, yeah so it was in bad shape. I will say that my wife had every good reason to throw that <laughs> that one away because that had been worn for you know 15 years so but I yeah, need no, to no. get a replacement one of these days uh, one of the things that I, I learned from the deep dive episode was you said you didn't like your record zigzag that much.
2: It's not my favorite one. okay I mean again and I, I signed off on every choice that was made. Um, it's not like I you know, feel like there were other people influencing me It's just the way it, it came out You know, at the time we were We are, have always been a really kick-ass rock band And that album for me was just kind of Kind of a little too too much to the acoustic ballady uh, You know, guilty liberal side
0: <laughs> uh, But on your live record you close with a song from, from that Which is Beat Up Guitar
2: I love the song. And in fact, we, we, there's a live record that we have out now from uh, 2017 called Give the Music Back. And we actually did, uh, Rob calls it a mulligan on, on the song um, Give the Music Back, which originally was, you know, very acousticy, yeah. And, you know, I don't think there was an electric guitar in sight on that. And we turned it into a, an eight-minute epic. Yes. And uh, if you like the song, you should definitely check it out. It's on Spotify, all your digital outlets. Uh, give the music back.
3: Yep,
0: yep. I like the references to Philadelphia and beat-up guitar. And one of the best lines in any song is, oh, you can't, you can't get to heaven on the Frankfurt L because the Frankfurt L goes string to Franklin. Frankfurt.
2: Frankfurt. <laughs> Frankfurt
0: oh yeah oh is you it know, Frankfurt okay
2: Frankfurt yeah yeah and it's not even F, it's not even Frankfurt it's Frank Ford they couldn't even get that right <laughs> I don't really know where that song came from um, and we probably should have done some research and credited someone but um, I think it originally comes from you can't get the heaven on a rocking chair you can't get the heaven in a rocking chair because a rocking chair won't take you there and there was a band in Philadelphia called the American Dream that did Frank Fridell. And I always assumed it was just sort of a local Philadelphia folk song. And I'm friends still friendly with a couple of the guys from the American dream. And they've never said to me, uh, buddy. So I, I guess it's okay.
0: Right. Right. I used to, uh, for my last job, I used to fly up to Philly to drive over to my client that was in Camden, new, New Jersey. So I've, I've done a little Philly sightseeing. So I've got some Philly questions for you. Come on. I know you're not uh, full-time in Philly anymore, but, uh, uh, but my I'm home, sure the... My
2: home, my home is there to stay.
0: I was going to yeah. say, uh, but I bet the roots are deep.
2: They are so deep. And, you know, I've spent my whole life trying to get out of there. And now that I'm not there, I, I love it. I yeah. There's, there, you know, there isn't a whole lot to love about it, but I love it.
0: <laughs> right. All right. So here goes. So, Pat's, Ginos or Tony Luke's?
2: None of the above. DeLisandro's.
0: I was gonna. Okay. See, all of the all of the uh, the locals either say Denix or DeLisandro's. So you're uh, a DeLisandro yeah. guy. Okay.
2: I, I grew up around around there, um, but yeah. And for me now, it's Hip City Veg because I've been vegan for four years. But yeah. okay, DeLisandro's.
0: All right. Explain broccoli, Rob, to me.
2: Um, th- well, when I'm having dinner with my partner in the Hooters, I say, please pass, pass the blo- broccoli, Rob. <laughs> 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 uh,
1: so yeah, so well.
0: what, what exactly is a broccoli, Rob, and why do I have to have it on my pork sandwich?
2: Um, I, I don't even know what the vegetable is. It's something like, you know, there, you have broccoli, broccoli, then there's Chinese broccoli, and then broccoli, Rob, which I think is actually broccoli di rappe. But it's this like bitter green thing, and it sounds, it tastes great on anything. I love it. I guess it's not for everyone, but I'm
0: quite a fan. Yeah, you can tell I'm not from Philly because i had I had one pork sandwich, and I was like, Yeah, I'm not going to do the broccoli, Rob again. (laughs) Um, All right, favorite Rocky movie?
2: Um, Oh, one, definitely one.
0: Yeah, yeah, good, good choice. Um, I'm always disappointed in people who say Rocky Four. (laughs) Because I mean, it's it's total cheese, but you know,
2: you know, they're all cheese. They're all cheese, and they're all great. I mean, three was great. uh, What was the What was the last one? That uh, there was the Rocky Balboa one, and what's this last one? Uh,
0: Well, are you talking like the Creed movies, or are you talking
2: movies? Now, the Creed movies are great. I mean, you know, it's just great. It's yeah,
0: it's ultimate cheese. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right. I want to see if you know this band. So I discovered a Philly band today doing some research on the Billboard Hot 100 in November of 1967. We were trying to find out who who was ahead of Aretha Franklin's <laughs> You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman because it only peaked at number eight. Right. So there was a Philly one-hit wonder band called Soul Survivors that was ahead of her. Do you know Soul Survivors?
2: I actually know them. Well, him. There's only one surviving now, very well. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, Charlie Ingwe, Charlie and Richie were were the guys, the brothers. Um, yeah, I'm I'm still in touch with with Charlie. I do shows with him. He's one of the best singers alive, still.
3: Very,
0: very good. And I didn't realize I I went and listened to Expressway to Your Heart, and I'm like, oh, th- these guys are like Sam and Sam and Sam and Dave. Yep. And then realized they're white.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're white no. right, but, you know, they're Italian and they're from Philly, which, you know, <laughs> that counts for a lot in the soul department. And I don't know if you're aware that the song was written by uh, by Gamble and Huff.
0: Oh. Okay. Yep. Did not know yep. that. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh favorite Philadelphia Phillies player of all time?
2: Um Oh. That's a tough one.
0: Wayne, how about you? You got a you got a I favorite should... Phillies? Mike Schmidt. Oh,
2: well, yeah, Mike, yeah, You know what? I'm going I'm going I'm going to go obscure here. Manny Trio.
0: Oh, yeah. Wow.
2: Manny Trio made the hit that kept them in the playoffs. Yeah. He was sure. I mean, you know, Mike Schmidt got got the uh, you know, got the credit, but Manny Trio I I remember that hit, man, and that was like, you know, that the world just shifted on its axis.
0: Yeah. I have uh, I have a bunch of bobbleheads in my office here, so I'm looking at my Greg Luzinski bobblehead. <laughs> that's that's my favorite Philly player of all time. Um, Wayne, any uh, any other Phil- Philadelphia questions
1: for uh, Eric? No, I think you covered all the good ones. Because
0: I mean, I would would have said favorite Sixers player of all time, but I think we all know it's Doctor J. It's Dr. J, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Who else? Yeah. 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 You, you can't say Iverson. I mean, you can't <sighs> say that. No. I guess you could say Maurice Cheeks, I guess. But no, you got to go yeah. Dr. J. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. One last question before we talk about the record that you chose. So um, we ask all of our guests, Toto's Africa, good or bad song?
1: Both. <laughs> hey, I like, I like, no one's ever done that. That's good. No,
2: it's, it's absolutely both. And, and really, just in terms of song quality, it's great. I mean, musically, it's amazing. Um, lyrically, okay. So those are the words that came to him, and they sounded good, and everybody liked it. And okay, that's cool. I'll bless the rains down in Africa. Why not? Yeah. And it's funny because during this whole corona thing, I'm, I'm find myself quoting that song a lot I say gonna take the time to do the things we never have ha- ha- ha-
0: <laughs> absolutely considering that you've written a, a ton of songs, do you have any songs in your repertoire which you look back and go those lyrics are completely nonsensical but they worked
2: Oh yeah tons of them like yeah, which absolutely. ones do I have to? <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> um, I, I can names. I can give you one. I mean, there's one good, good example. On One Way Home is a song called "Hard Rockin' Summer," yeah, which which started its life as, believe it or not, it was like a a, a screamed rap. That, that Rob did on the verses, which was something about teachers said, I got to stay after class. Da, 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 da. Um, I say that teacher better kiss my, you know, and so on and so forth. And we really didn't know what was going to become of it because it didn't sound like a Hooters song, but the hook was amazing. And as we were writing it, we had the studio in kind of a dodgy neighborhood in Philadelphia and, and we were blasting the song and, and, we walked out to get something to eat, and there were these kids outside going, "Yeah, man, Hard Rocking Summer, man, that's it, that's a hit, man." So, you know, we had we had a we had to uh, go down that road, and we were cutting the basic track for it at the record plant in New York. And I went into the the shop, the the maintenance shop where they were, you know, repairing gear, and I heard the Beastie Boys uh, party um, fight for your fight right for to party right. on the radio for the first time, and I said damn it, they scooped us. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: So that was gone. We couldn't, you know, we couldn't do the, the, uh, the, the, you know, the high-energy rap thing. So, okay, so now we got to write a, a song that makes sense around this. And we tried and tried, and we just, you know, we had this great track, and at the end of the day, that's what we sang. Those are the words. I don't know about the cat on the roof and the, the uh, night to remember. Yeah, I don't even know what the words are. I don't care. That's, that's one that got away.
0: the deep dive that you did for nervous night so you talked about recording at the the record factory and all of these record, record, you know, plan. record, record plan. plan yeah yeah yeah
2: the, the yeah. record factory would be if the, the hit factory and the record plant had merged that's
0: right yeah i, I just mashed the mash the two of those up um and you talked about uh kiss borrowed a, a amp from you guys yeah
2: they borrowed my vox my my trusty ac30 <laughs>
0: So how about for one way home? Who was who else was uh, recording there while you guys were doing that?
2: I think Metallica may have been there at the same time. Okay, uh, I know. I know. Again, I, I mix some of this up. Um, I know that uh, Clarence Clemens was making a solo record, but I honestly don't remember whether that was during One Way Home or Nervous Night.
0: I'm trying to remember when that record came out, Clarence. Was that 86, Wayne?
1: Oh, 86, 87.
3: Yeah.
2: Then it was probably Nervous Night. Now during yeah. One way home, we cut the basic tracks at the record plant, and then we did most of the overdubs in Philadelphia. And okay. then we went back to New York to mix
0: it. Gotcha. Do you, do you guys miss those days of having those those big-type studios? Because everybody seems to have their own home studio these days. you miss having those big, giant areas to record? Like
2: well, we still have one. Rob actually built a a real studio, which is pretty world class. My studio is in my backyard and honestly I can make it sound like anything. Um I really love being able to record wherever I am. Um using you know, first take vocals and, and guitar parts that I'll just never get the vibe right again. Yeah. um, so I, I I do welcome the new technology, but at the same time, yeah, when I do find myself in an amazing creative space, it's 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 awesome.
0: Yeah. how do you guys how do you guys do the creative stuff these days? Are you guys just kind of shuffling? Uh, licks and lyrics back and forth to each other or do you do you try and hold your yourself up in a studio together and
2: you know it's hard to find time it was even hard to find time when I was living there Um, full-time you know our show is kind of our show we play almost three hours now and we're still not doing a lot of songs that our fans want to do Um, so sort of the 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 cost benefit of taking the time to write and record a whole album at this point is kind of Kind of pointless. Um, I'm not saying it won't happen. It would be amazing if we got struck by, you know, a bolt of lightning and had this amazing creative surge and said, okay, this is the, the, the next, the next uh, phase for the Hooters, our act three, as it were. But um, um, we're kind of okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I spend more of my time working on, on new stuff. Yeah. Trying to move ahead and invent another wheel.
0: Do, do the diehard Hooter fans want new material or are they cool with, you know, hearing beat up guitar for the 40th time live and that kind of deal?
2: They say they want new music, but, you know, <laughs> Stones fans say they want new music. And, you know, how many, how many new Stone songs do you hear at a Stones concert? And when is the audience going to get a beer?
0: Right. During a new song. Yeah, yeah
2: exactly. So, you know, again, got nothing against it. And if it comes, that, that'll be great.
3: Yeah. but we yeah. still have
2: a great time you know we get together we jam we we, we toss around ideas but you know like we just put together a, um, a live dvd which um even though it was a live recording it took a lot of our time a lot of creative energy to to get it into shape and mix it and and you know deal with the editing and you know that's that's all part of the workflow
3: yeah
0: all right well let's let's talk about uh, the record you chose to revisit so um Tell, tell our listeners what uh, which record you you chose.
2: I have chosen Grave New World by the Straubs, released in February of
0: 1972. All right. So I know you and I went back and forth on a couple other records that you, you thought about, which were even more obscure than <laughs> Grave New World. So, so what were some of the other ones that you thought about?
2: Well, the first one was Auto Salvage by a band called Auto Salvage. They put out one record... In 1968, and um, Rolling Stone did an interesting article on them sometime in the, in the, in the aughts, I believe it was, um, about how they were like the greatest psychedelic band you'd never heard of. Um, and they said that if they had been a San Francisco band and part of that whole scene, they would have been huge, but they were in New York and, um, you know, what, whatever, for whatever reasons, it just didn't, didn't happen for them. Yeah. But that that album is a total go to for me. It's from, from start to finish. It's just it's just brilliant. And I actually got to know the singer songwriter in the band uh, at the end of his life and, and do some music with him. And he was just an amazing guy.
0: Because with Grave New World, this is this has a little dose of psychedelia as well. I listening to the Hooters, I maybe maybe it's just lost on me the the psychedelia influence, but. Maybe there is some there.
2: Oh yeah, totally. Um, You know, I mean, that's part of why we did "She Comes in Colors" on Nervous Night. We covered the song by Love. Yeah, the Love, right? Yeah, Um, that was a little little nod to that. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're psychedelic. It doesn't really fit into the the Hooters thing, Um, and it's funny. The Hooters thing it goes beyond any of us as individuals. It really has a life of its own, and we we serve it. It is our master. (laughs) you know believe me i wish more than anything that there was room for me to to do my 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 john mclaughlin fusion shredding in the hooters but it's just not the place for it
0: so do you have those outlets of teaming up with a john mclaughlin or uh uh somebody else who has more of that uh you know that that background
2: as of late, I've, I've actually found opportunities to do all the things I never had. Ha- 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 ooh- um, <laughs> um, actually, in, in this case, there's a, a, a fusion duo in Philadelphia. Two young guys are in their mid-20s called Trap Rabbit. And um, I had played with the drummer some. I recorded him on some stuff and really impressed. And he told me that he had a, a keyboard player partner and they had this fusion duo. So I said, come on over, let me record you. So they came over, and the first track they recorded was amazing. And I was cut, mixing it, and we were doing some little overdubs on it. And then I said, guys, this is where the guitar player comes in. I pulled out the Les Paul, plugged it in, and um, and Alan Holdsworth flowed out of my fingers. <laughs>
0: uh, and is that available out there for, for people to hear?
2: It is. It's on on the digital outlets. Again, the, the band's called Trap Rabbit. The uh, EP is called Empress, and the
0: song is called Empress. Gotcha. All right, I got some homework to do. Perfect. So, so how did you get introduced to Strobs? So I've I've seen it two different ways. It's is it Strobs or is it the Strobs?
2: Well, everyone who knows the Strobs calls them the Strobs, although the album says Strobs. Like you know, the Hooters. I think on our first three albums, it just said Hooters.
0: Hooters, right? Yeah.
2: But, you know, it's like Eurythmics. They were the Eurythmics. We're the Hooters. It's, a, it's a, uh, an invisible the. Right,
0: right. So, so how did you get introduced to to the Straubs?
2: I think it was the record cover. I think it was one of those things where I was in a record store, I saw the cover, and I just said, I got to have this.
0: And how old were you?
2: Um, 72. I would have been ooh, 14, 15 Okay. Wait a second, 70? Right. Oh no, wait, 72? No, I was 18, 19. I turned 19. Well, I was 18 when it came out.
0: Gotcha. Okay. I was
2: 18. Yeah, so right, I was a freshman in, in college when that when that album came out. But yeah, I, I bought it. I'd never heard any of it. And I put it on, and from the first notes, I was just, oh my God.
0: I know listening to this record, there are definitely some elements of, of Prague. As well, do you consider these guys a prog band, a psychedelic band? what What would you what would you lump them into a genre if they if you had to just lump it into one?
2: All of the above and none of the above. Yeah, you know, I think to call it any of those things is doing it a disservice. I mean, they consider themselves a folk rock band. Okay. Um, so yeah, there is folk, there is prog, there is you know, there is mystic you know it but i like music that doesn't really live in a box
0: yeah i thought it was interesting when i'm doing research for for them that i i saw that they toured with super tramp during super tramp's crime of the century tour Mm -hmm. and uh, i super tramp has always been for me i know some people say well they're a prog band and i'm like are they though Cause yeah. like, it's really hard to define super tramp. Cause some of the records are very just straight up rock, but then they do go the Prague, um, you know, especially in kind of the, the later, the later eighties, especially like crime of the century, um, yep. as well, that, that was more, that was more proggy, but
2: yeah, I mean, but Prague is usually associated with like crazy time signatures and, and, uh, you know, and, shredding solos and they really didn't do that they didn't yeah. shred i
0: they, think there's yeah. a there there's a few elements on a couple of the songs on this record but yeah like uh, no shredding there's a couple interesting keyboard solos and
2: yeah there was a there's a little bit of that keith Emerson thing that that blue weaver d- did yeah but again it wasn't as much about technique as it was just sort of vibe and sound but, you know, that, that we're splitting hairs here. Yes, there's a prog element to it. There's a folk element to it. That's what makes it great. It just takes the best of everything that it takes from.
3: Yeah.
0: The one, one thing that I also noted was, um, so Rick Wakeman was one of the keyboardists at one point. Not on this particular record, but I absolutely equate Rick Wakeman as, you know, a progressive keyboardist, especially, you know, all of his great work on yes i mean oh yeah
2: i mean he invented it really
0: yeah oh yeah so so did blue did blue weaver who's the keyboardist on this particular record so he learn anything from rick or was this him kind of figuring the stuff out on his own
2: no this was this was him doing doing his thing that's funny i actually i uh, i was on facetime with blue a couple of days ago
3: cool Nice. So, right.
2: but we're we're pals, you know. And you know, I don't know if you know. I, I, the Straubs had their fiftieth anniversary last year, and I uh, they played this the entire album, and I, I was the lead guitarist.
0: Did not oh, know wow. that. Okay. Right.
2: In in Lakewood, New Jersey, and uh, it was yeah, it was um, everyone except Hudson.
0: So how did that come about? You getting invited to 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 play guitar for them?
2: It's it's kind of a long and winding road. I. I went through a tear in like 2015 where every week I would record a somewhat obscure song as a cover. And it was usually a very faithful cover. I would play everything, including the drums in my studio. Then I would send it to um, my friend Dan Reed at WXPN and he would play it. Eric's weekly epic cover. And, um, (laughs) one, one week I decided to do, to do Benedictus and I, rather than, um, I didn't have my dulcimer handy, so I played the dulcimer part on, on a mandola, an um, acoustic mandola, and I did a very faithful track. I rocked it up a bit more. There are no electric guitars on on um, the original Benedictus. I have like, you know, Rickenbacker 12 strings and a Les Paul, and I had finished it, and then I knew that Wesley Stace, do you know Wesley Stace? I don't. Otherwise known as, formerly known as John Wesley Harding.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So Wesley is a friend of mine. He lives in Philadelphia, and I knew that he is friendly with Dave Cousins. So um, I I called Wes up. I said, hey, why don't you come over and sing the second verse and sing harmonies with me? And I knew what would happen. He came over. He sang it. He sang great. And then he sent it to Dave. And Dave was (laughs) stunned. Dave, you know, no one had ever covered the song before, I don't think. And he was, you know, flattered and loved the version we had done. So Dave got in touch with me. Thank you for covering the song, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, we're going to do a 50th reunion concert. Would you be interested in participating? I'm like, are you kidding me? This is some serious wish fulfillment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's cool.
2: So I, I got to play the entire album.
0: That's cool. And you probably had, you probably had already played every song on this, uh, just kind of figuring figuring it out. Before, yeah, so
2: pr- pretty much, yep. It was, you know, it was a long time ago when I did it. Yeah, and I had to sing harmonies on a bunch of stuff. And let me tell you, it's really hard to remember what order all the does go in in Benedictus. <laughs> <My
0: bad. laughs> there, there's a few. Yeah, there's yeah. a few, and they made you uh, do the harmony vocals for that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah there. Are a bunch yeah, of people. Uh, Annie Haslam was there. Um, basically, everyone who'd ever been in the Straubs who was alive. Was at the show, except Rick Wakeman, who was supposed to come, but he had some health issues. Um, Sandy Denny obviously is no longer available, so Annie Haslam was kind of in her play, came in her place, and I think Annie had actually sung on some Straub stuff as well.
0: Yeah, that was that was the one other thing that I I checked out besides this record. So there is a Sandy Dennis plus Straub's record that I guess was shelved for a long time and then released like 20 years after they had recorded it. There's some yep. good stuff on there.
2: Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a goldmine. There's, they never did anything bad. They did a lot of things that were not commercial. And ironically, I, I guess bursting at the seams was their biggest commercial success. Not my favorite Straub's album.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, it's funny because that one was really where they came the closest to being like a commercial rock band, which kind of lost me. I kind of, you know, I miss the mysticism and the the, the searching um, and the, the backwards stuff of, of, of Grave New World. But you know what, when I played the songs with them, yeah, I got it. Playing lay, uh, lay Down with the original Straubs, yep, I'm a fan.
3: <laughs> right.
0: All right. Well, let's let's jump into the record and we'll go track by track and talk about each of the the tracks so as a reminder our scoring is based on number of songs on the record wayne how many songs on this record 12 which means top song is going to get 12 points nick's favorite 11 on down to lowest score of one so let's kick it off so this is benedictus bass in most of these songs are super cool. Uh um, John
2: John Ford is an amazing bass player. He was yeah. at the show. He was he was at the show and I looked at the bass player and I said, I thought John Ford was going to be here. And the, and somebody said that is John. John is like 72 years old. He looked 50.
3: Well, okay. I mean and
2: he rocks. I mean he you know he 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 plays the bass. He's got that Chris Squire Take No Prisoners thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what, what do you have to say about Benedictus since this was one that you did the cover of? And so this, this, this must resonate in some way for you, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, that song informs a lot of who I became, I think, as, as an, as an artist as a songwriter, as an instrumentalist, um, you know, from the beginning, from, from the electric dulcimer that starts the song, and then the bass that comes in and the drum sound, um, just the way the chords move, it, it, just musically uh, on that level, it's it's brilliant. But the lyric, you know, I mean, in some way, I think that informed one of us. I mean, one of us, you know, people say, oh, it's, you know, it's your song about God. It's not about God. It's about the guy on the bus. It's about yeah. the free man, bless the slave, bless the hero in his grave. It's the same story, just told in a different way.
0: Yeah, he lists off a ton of things that deserve blessings. I, I think that... Um Safe to say that everyone in this song deserves some blessings.
2: Well, I, I mean, I, you, there are those that say that everyone in the world ever deserves some blessing. Uh, yeah, with a couple of exceptions, I would agree with that.
0: <laughs> this song is, to me, that is one of the more proggy songs uh, on the record, in my opinion, because there's plenty of like solo moments for each member of the band. Might be real brief, but. I don't know. I don't think there's a like a quote unquote true solo and for for any of the guys, but they still have like these little moments of I don't know, ten to fifteen seconds to kind of yeah. show up, showcase them, themselves.
2: Yeah, I mean that just the you know the the um, dulc- electric dulcimer fuzz solo. You can sing it. It's it's not a solo. It's a part. Yeah. Um, and then that, that that keyboard thing that comes in. The mellotrons come in, and then that the, that arpeggiated piano thing. It's genius. Yes, that is progressive definitely
0: progressive and so considering that this was influential for you so i'm again i'm always, always looking at it from the, the the guest standpoint so the this influence you of using interesting instruments for the hooters as well cuz you guys were known for for you know doing a little bit different instrumentation
2: yeah well I've, I've always been fascinated by that. I love picking up new instruments and making making music out of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, that song, Benedictus totally resonated with my my curiosity about that and I'm sure in yeah. some way it it did inform my later choices.
0: Yeah. I have a production question for you since uh, since you do a lot of production stuff. So towards the end of the song, minute and a half left or so, sound is like really turned up. Does that happen in the engineering part or mastering or are they turning up the volume on the the organ or or it, I'm assuming that's an organ in the mix there?
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, you'd have to ask um Tony Visconti about that. I did not ask him. He was at yeah. the um he was at the reunion thing as well. Um I would assume that that was something they did in the mixing and in the mastering. They just made it bigger and bigger, kept layering in more and more vocals.
3: Yeah.
0: I I like the, I like the ending Wayne. I've been monopolizing all the talking. So no, um, no, that's fine.
1: I, I will say this. I, I had never heard of the the Straubs. I, it was completely like a new experience. And so at the beginning it was a little bit hard to get into, but I, this thing grows on you. And I, I, I feel like I am a bit of a sucker for the concept um, because this, because there's a, like a, a distinct pathway that's going through this, this record. And once I got kind of hooked into that, um, it made it real difficult to score because I think they did a real good job. I mean, everything has, and this is a very important part. I think it's also a cool way to start this, this, uh, this person's journey with like this, you know, it's got a real choral kind of hymnal feel. Uh, benediction is a, is a prayer. It's, typically at the end, but it's not exclusive. So it's this bestowing of a blessing. And uh, so it's a great way to start. I thought the keyboards also really made a point that Rick Wakeman wasn't going to be tremendously missed. Yeah.
3: yeah,
0: yeah. It, it, Interesting to put in, uh, the name of a song, Benedictus, is first. Because my mind immediately goes to benediction, which is usually a closing prayer. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I
1: looked know. at because I and I thought the same thing, and so I looked up the the actual meaning, and it says uh, it says often at the end, but it's it's not exclusive to the end, but it's a bestowing of a blessing, and I thought that was a really cool way to start out yeah. this 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 individual's journey.
0: It's interesting
2: to score this album is like scoring Sergeant Pepper. It, you know, it's the album is one work. It's a journey from beginning to end. So. I, I some of these scores are, are arbitrary, but it's part of the game, so I, I did it.
0: <laughs> it we we completely understand. Um, we even joked with our last uh, our, our last guest because um we didn't even get into the first song when she kind of gave us the what for for our score and she's like, This is not nice. It's not nice and, and we're like, We get it. It's just yeah, it's our it's our thing and our scores are like you said, completely arbitrary. And for a record like this, where I won't say that it's a concept record, but the sequencing is extremely important for it. So scoring them as songs on their own. Yeah. A little, little, little more difficult for this. We get it.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, so this is my top song. I, I dig it. It's a great way to start out a record uh, Eric, what's your score?
2: my score is 12
0: all right and
2: so then what Wayne? Did Wayne...
1: I, I gave it a six I thought it was important and I and I liked it but um, I really kind of fell in love with some other songs
0: okay yeah. cool good all right so next song is hey little man Thursday's Child Won't you yep
4: sit by my side. Give me your car. How about if we go for a ride? We could feel the wind blow through our hair. Wouldn't it be?
0: And somebody somebody explained to me what a Thursday child is because I thought the same thing. What, about 20 years ago, David Bowie has a song also called Thursday Child, not not related in any way, or at least I know of. But, uh, you know, there's no Hey Little Man in David's title. But, right. but what is a Thursday Child? Anyone know?
2: No idea. And I, I, I didn't ask Dave. I've never asked Dave anything about about these lyrics because, in a way, I don't want the mystery to be revealed. I feel ah. like it's kind of... It's kind of, I, I want I want to maintain my takeaway from it. Yeah. Um, and to me, Hey, Little Man is sort of, it's, you know, it's a transitional piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you can really say it's the end of Benedictus or it's the beginning of Queen of Dreams.
0: All right. So is it is it the end or is it the beginning of a song?
1: <laughs> I don't know, but it is. Yeah, it's a great, yet, it's a great little pathway. It's a great little transition to, you know, from the one, because I did definitely see it as a uh, as a concept and and like got into that part of it and it's a great transition between the two um and it's it, I love how it's so short it's only, and it, and in this way which doesn't happen to me often I I wanted more. I'm a sucker for that cats in the cradle stuff and this really kind of has that kind of feel to it. And it's super simple just Dave Cousins acoustic guitar and his voice is just perfect for this.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because around the time this record came out, I was reading a lot of, uh, of Wilhelm Reich. I don't know if you're familiar with Wilhelm Reich. He Not. was a contemporary of, of Freud's. Okay. And Wilhelm Reich, he created um, orgone therapy, orgonomy, uh, hmm. And um, he was a sort of an enemy of the state. The U.S. government hounded him and ultimately imprisoned him. And um, he was escaped from Germany. And he had a book called Listen, Little Man, which was this, this really biting indictment of fascism. Um, and it was, you know, it was called listen, little man. And I've always wondered if, um, if uh, Hey, little man has anything to do with it. And now that I'm thinking of it, I think I'm going to email Dave because it's time to find out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Make sure you uh, share with us. Be, yeah. it, be interested in know that. All right. Anything on, uh, anything else on, on Thursday's show production wise or sequential wise?
2: His voice is heartbreaking. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: I mean it's like I feel I feel the little man. I I am the little man. If I am the little man, that's the voice I want singing to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll uh I'll bring that up on a on a later song of one song that, that just kinda hit me. All right. Uh Wayne, what you got for a score? Eleven. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. really. And then Eric? F-
1: five.
2: Just because there's so many great things on the album and that's where it landed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This was my five as well. Uh, next song, queen of dreams. going on and i'm gonna guess that this song was inspired by unhealthy or healthy doses of acid
2: Um, you have to ask them yeah
0: so this is this is totally proggy for the lyrics for me i mean lord of the forest pine needles for a pillow dove being their only friend um super hippie but um it, even with that, I think that there are some really cool melody, some cool harmonies. Um, I think my only criticism on this is I think this is the longest song on the record. And mm-hmm. probably, I probably would have dug it a little bit more, maybe shaving off 45 seconds of it. Cause I felt like it went into that, um, you know, King Crimson type of, of, uh, territory of just a little bit too long for my liking but my only criticism on this song fair enough what do you guys have on this
2: i'll go okay um i yeah it is the progiest song on the record the lyric is to me was like an old um an old english folk song you know like tam lin Mm mm-hmm um, he just kind of took it to another level of weird, but, um, you know, they always had the, you know, the tree nymphs and forest fairies and, you know, stealing babies and, and, uh, and deflowering virgins go- thing going on. Um, I, I love the prog thing. I love the backwards thing in the middle. And then I love that, that thing in the end. In fact, when we did it live, the bass thing, da 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 man, that was, that might've been the high point of the show for me.
0: Yeah. Wayne, what you got on this song?
1: some of those elements like in the beginning where it's an, I believe it's an organ, but it almost sounds like when you try to play a record backwards. Um,
2: It's a backwards, it's a backwards acoustic guitar. Yeah.
1: And that, it was, it was, uh, it was distracting for me. Um, But I, once again, watching this whole thing kind of unfold, um, this is like when you're a child and you're playing in the woods and you're at the beach and everything's an adventure and everything's great. And those the one line I think that is like most important to that section is that I had no head for Heights, but closed my eyes to make the climb. Like you have no fear when you're a kid, you don't, you don't know what's, you don't know you're going to fail. You never know anything, but just being a kid and this, the, the wonder of it all. And, and every, like say the forest, it may just be the backwoods behind your house, but it's this epic adventure when you're a child. Yeah.
2: Well, wow. v- beautifully put. Yeah, that's true. And then and then the last line of the song, it's time.
0: Yeah. Time for like, this is
2: where, for the real This world. is where the adventure yeah. begins.
0: Yeah. This is where the
2: adventure begins.
0: Yeah. All right, let's get some scores. This is my 9. Eric 11. Okay. And Wayne.
1: Wow, we're uh, we're on different uh I gave it a 3. It's mostly for that backward acoustic guitar. But I did like the, okay, the well. ending with the drums. The guy They give the drummer a little bit of a little moment to shine.
0: There you go. Yep. Yep. All right. Next song, Heavy Disguise. The
4: people assembled to hear what resembled evangelists say. Some came just to see them for a laugh, others to be free. Must pretend to be wise We've a faith that we use As a heavy disguise Tears from the crowd With men crying aloud Or just ringing their hands The love in their hearts At this joining off people From faraway lands i so many questions I could ask I wanted to be free. Fools must pretend to be wise with a faith that we use as a heavy disguise.
0: And this was a song written by John Ford, the bassist. And uh, which I thought was interesting because I thought that the next song I thought the next song was going to be um, penned by by John, because he's got some really cool bass parts in that, but um no this is his song um but what's interesting i thought was the the lyrics from each of them so cousins writes most of the songs but um uh you know john john wrote this one and he definitely just kind of takes the torch from the previous song with the, uh, the progressive type of lyrics and just kind of continues to run with it. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because it, it really, they are sort of writing from the same voice.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's, you know, it could, total uh, continuity. Like I would, if I hadn't seen that this was written by John Ford, I it's, it falls right in line.
2: Yep. I, I agree. It's, um, and, you know, i stylistically it's, it's very different. It's kind of more straight ahead, the um, with the you know, the, well, and then that crazy brass section that comes in. But it's sort of more in the Cat Stevens acoustic guitar world with the you know the funny time time signature stuff going on. Right. But you know, if I didn't know that it was a different writer, different singer, I I wouldn't have guessed. I would have just thought you know he's singing differently. Yeah.
0: Anything lyrically we
1: like on this song? Oh. I I absolutely this one to me this is my favorite song and I think and it just grew on me um, because it's I guess the time period in this in this man's life that it's you know that's the subject of this uh, record it's that time where I say like I described on the last song that in that childlike innocence part now this is the part where And I think the best line in this song for explaining it, I guess, is the evening draw drew on with a change of opinion from left wing and right. So when you're, you know, you're college, young, you know, you're full of angst and rebellion. There's a lot of anti-religious, anti-authority kind of context in this in the lyrics here, and it's that whole young and you know, liberal and angry and not knowing still not you've never you don't know anything but but a struggle in a sense you know you're you're young you're becoming old and you don't you're not wise at this point at all i think wisdom is one thing you lack at that age but that line that's just a great way to say i mean because that kind of happens to us all i mean we kind of change from left to right to some degree less than some less than others but
3: yeah yeah
2: yeah, to me that was the that was the meet the new boss, same as the old boss line.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: right. Yeah, this because right.
1: me, like I say, I wrote in my notes disguise, the heavy disguise. It's that disguise of you know we put on where we become upstanding adults and middle class, and we get par. We become part of the machine.
3: Right.
2: Yeah, I mean, fools must pretend to be wise. Come on.
0: Yeah, I I only pretend to be grown up. I still laugh at poop and fart jokes all the time. So yeah, I know exactly what you're <laughs> talking about. Uh, all right. Should we get some scores on this? Wayne?
1: 12. This is my favorite song.
0: All right, Eric. Cool. 10. And this is my 11. So we're, we're in sync on this song. Okay. Yeah. Spoiler alert. This is our top score.
2: Oh, there we go. Nice.
0: Yeah. All right. Next and you song. know,
2: it's funny, John Ford, John Ford is the Colin Moulding of the Straubs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, he wrote uh, part of the Union. He and, um, and uh, Hudson wrote part of the Union. And um, that song was originally supposed to be a Hudson and Ford song and ended up being the Straubs' biggest hit.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. All right. Next song is New World.
4: How can you teach when you've so much to learn? May you turn. May you turn.
0: is going back to dave cousins who wrote this song um which i guess kind of makes sense because he's really front and center on this song correct this is really the the vocalist song i think of of any of them in my opinion
2: he he certainly is the most front and center full full frontal in this song i mean it's the only song where he really he screams yeah. You know, he normally has this very soothing, soothing, you know, Brit thing going on in this song, May You Rot. Like, Woo, okay. Guess I'm going to rot. <laughs> uh, so,
0: uh, I guess my question, my biggest question on this song is the name of the the record is Grave New World and this song is New World. Why why is this not why did he not throw Grave in front of this particular song title?
2: He's just that cool.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: I mean, because well, you know, the, the way the lyric goes is, "May you rot, or may you rest, depending on the verse or the chorus in your grave, comma new world." Yeah. yeah. Okay. So grave, grave is not the, an
3: adjective. The
1: grave parts at the end of the record. Yeah. Okay. Wayne,
0: what do you got on this? Anything?
1: Um, I guess this one felt a little over the top, um, but I, I think once again. I think that's un- intentional. I mean, this is now the young man has kind of gotten past those those early years. He's he's in the in the business world or whatever it is and so that that line about were you the coward who fired the last shot the, or the previous line about planning destruction behind the locked door, he's he's inside now. He's what did I write down? He's uh the young man's part of the machine now and he's sold his soul for comfort. Like he's making some consolations in order to be better off.
0: Okay. I, think, yeah, I could see. And
1: that. so that, that, and so that, that angry, you know, there that's coming out in it, I think is, you know, part of that change.
3: Yeah. All
2: right. Yep.
0: Anything else before we get some scores?
2: Well, I, I just love the musical journey that it takes. You know, it's, it's really, in to me, I, it's the most in, in the prog world if you, if we must it's got the genesis thing it's got the yes thing that the um the mellotron in the middle of the mm-hmm. you know it really goes it goes places and i just love the sounds of it and you know, remember at this time Melotron mellotron was a fairly new thing the moody blues had used it a lot yeah but they didn't really make it rock
0: no N- yeah no they didn't <laughs> All right, let's get some scores Um, Eric, what do you got? Eight And Wayne? Five All right, and this is my six And then next song is Hey Little Man, Wednesday's Child
4: I would sing this song To earn me the fair Wouldn't it be nice For maybe you know To not have a care
0: Okay, so... So, same question that I threw out for Thursday's child. What's a Wednesday child?
1: Yeah. And I didn't. And like I said, I don't know that Thursday's child. I don't know if the Thursday meant anything. I, I, in all honesty, but I think it does mean something that Wednesday is before Thursday. Because one of the things that because he's definitely this is another perfectly placed. It's it's transitional. It ends the end. It ends side one, but it's um, he definitely wants to go back to that. Whatever's happened now in his journey. He's now starting to remember a better, a younger time. And I thought the, the line about his dad offering him a train or a gun, uh, is an, was an interesting,
0: interesting, that's just, that's,
1: that's just, I mean, it's great. It's like, because I know that one's dangerous and, and much more harmful. I'm not that you can't be killed by trains, but it's not as easy, um, but there was just, like I say, that going back in that that same, and to do it, basically do it again, just from a different, a little bit. Obviously, the the now the little man is in a different point in his life, and he mm-hmm. and he's now he's he's fondly remembering those younger days and wishing, at least to some degree, he was back there, maybe to make that choice differently, maybe he took the gun.
2: Well, right. if you go to the to the to the poem. Wednesday's child is full of woe and Thursday's child has far has far to go. Ah.
0: Uh, yeah. Okay.
2: There you so go. So it would make sense that, that Thursday's absolutely. child would come first, you know. Yeah. It, Thank you Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> do do you guys uh, I find it a little bit interesting that it is the same tune as Thursday's child. It's the same length. So 1 minute and 6 seconds for for both this song and the Thursday child song. Um, so the only thing that's different that I could are the words, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. And what
2: he's wishing for, wouldn't it be nice?
1: Yeah. To go take a ride in the car with his dad. Yep. Whatever yep. he's facing at work in life. Right.
0: Instead of that. Yep. All right. So score wise, Eric.
2: I gave it a one just because some somebody had to get the one. Yep.
1: Okay. And then Wayne? A 10. It's right in there. I can say it's also a lot for the importance. I'm a, I'm a sucker for the whole theme. And I, I love that the first time, I mean, like you said, this is all almost virtually the same, but I feel like Thursday's Child was kind of almost more from the perspective of the father, and this one's now from the little man.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. And I give this a seven. So this is where we flip the record over, and this is The Flower and the Young Man.
3: Feels warm for.
0: this is where i start apologizing to our listeners because the sound clips that i'm getting for this record are coming off of youtube and somebody absolutely just recorded their vinyl and yeah. it's and it's a really crappy version
2: i will send you mp3s of the album oh, How about
0: that that'll that that'll be perfect that'll be great courtesy of dave cousins himself awesome wow thank thank you dave yeah yeah um I I like this as a, as a opener for the second side, um, very Beatlesque opening or would we consider it more pet sounds opening or both?
3: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. uh, I'd say Fairport convention.
0: Okay. Yeah. I
2: mean, it's very traditional British, you know, folk hymnal.
0: Throw the Sandy Danny reference in there again. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, More Mellotron going on in this one? Yep. Um, And what do you guys like? Did did you guys like the technique of repeating the beginning beginning verse as the ending, only with a little more instrumentation for the ending?
3: Loved it. Loved
2: it. In fact, that was one of the highlights of the live show with them.
0: I feel bad about my score because – some somebody needed to get a three, and I, like I said, I feel bad about my score. <laughs> and on I, gave,
1: and sure. I and I agree. I feel bad. I gave it a four, and it was tough because I think this is another important. It's just everything's so important, like in the in this whole grander scheme. That I felt bad when the lower scores came, but this one, this is more like some success in his personal life. And I mean, there's there's some lines in here that are clearly about um, finding love and. You know, whether it'd be starting a family or whatever, buying a house, he's now now he's having some success in his personal life. It feels like he's happy. And growing older doesn't seem like a bad thing at this point. Okay. Yeah, I can see that.
2: Yeah, well, I gave it a three, so then you don't have to feel bad. I mean, I love I love the song, but you know, not everybody can be president. No. Well, exactly. actually,
0: actually. Well, turns
1: so. out turns out anyone can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, we won't go there. Uh, Wayne, what was your score? Uh, four. Okay. Next song is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Looking at the, uh, the the credits for this, so uh, you got everybody on credits for, I, for this.
1: That song. actually, to me, I found that interesting because I did read something about um, this is at least inspired by Rick Wakeman's um, leaving, and there was some obviously some bitterness on Dave Cousins' part, and so I thought that it was interesting that this is the one song credited to the whole band.
0: And the and it's interesting because the I feel like the organ and keyboard takes way too much center stage for me in this song, <laughs> which is why this is one of my least favorite songs on the record. I,
3: hmm.
0: yeah. Songs all over the place, right?
1: It is. Yeah. But I, and I, at one point it was my favorite song. Cause I think I, I, I mean, I gravitated towards that. He's angry. I mean, it, it's not, it's clear. He's not sugarcoating it. He's, he's upset. And I think even the very first lines of it, you, you talked to me with acid tongue. You pointed trembling, yeah. spiteful hands. Your presence almost overwhelmed. Like he wasn't, he, if it's maybe an inspiration of that event, but he's, he's upset and he's, he's going to get it out right now.
2: Yep. I, I love, I love the bombast of it. You know, the way the whole, the whole thing works together. Uh, in fact, that, again, that was one of the highlights of the show. To really real, real wish fulfillment, getting to play that guitar riff that, you know, that, big legato thing with the nasty bend at the end.
3: Yeah.
2: And then that, you know, and then, and then, uh, John Ford's bass thing. It's like blue oyster cult. Yes.
1: Yeah. I got a real deep purple feel towards the end. Cool.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah. I can see that.
2: as Actually, well. Actually, there's a lot of deep purple in here. The good, the good part. Yeah. There's,
0: there's, there's some, there's some deep purple. That's good. Yeah yeah and uh i again i'm gonna feel bad for my score but the the instrumentation of the keyboards took over way too much for for me so this is my two wayne Ooh,
1: i this is a nine i can say I one time it was my highest score um but i definitely i i like it musically and it did, especially towards the end when when they're all kind of going together and it has that that much more '70s hard rock, you know, more conventional '70s hard rock feel to it. I enjoyed that, but um, I do also love this this part of the story because now the guy's got some professional success and there were some lines in here about and now I walk a mile high, my shoulders in the clouds. He's he's running the world as it yeah. as it would yep. be, you know. Definitely. And so there's some swagger in, in it amongst all of the, the vitriol.
0: Yeah. Eric, uh, what's your score? Seven. All right. Seven Le- respectable. Yeah. Leads us to uh, on growing old.
4: as the heron stood gracefully still. It seemed I looked without seeing. I failed to grasp what I saw. Or all of nature's beautiful gift, I this one chose to ignore. The sandy beaches and soft swelling tides invite the inquisitive young. And caviar, oysters and pâté de foie invite the discerning tongue. So
3: comes the desire to be lost a while in the depths and of this the is, uh, I thought, was
0: was interesting. So this song is only a one minute and 50 second, 56 seconds, yet has more lyrics than most of the songs that are, like, over four minutes long or longer. So he, he definitely squeezes a lot into, into, this, uh, into this song. Um, I like the lyrics. Uh, very, very poetic. And um, I don't know, it just resonated with me other than the pate de foie, which is um, awful. Um,
1: (laughs) But it's, yeah, but it's again, it's that it's those finer things in life or whatever that he's referencing. It's because I agree. I thought I wrote down too. this just hits home personally at 51. The part, the portion of, you know, this, this subject's journey, I feel like maybe I'm probably in. So it it had and I also I like the way they had some there was some of those lines in there about the forest glade and everything that kind of throw back to Queen of the uh, Queen of Dreams.
0: Oh yeah, uh, I didn't even stories. think about that.
1: But I and I at at 156 it just it it was quick and to the point. I mean and that la- the last couple lines, uh to achieve all the things that I should have achieved with idleness led me astray. And being aware of what I have missed, I'm extending my use of the day. Like you now you're starting to see that you wasted time doing some things that weren't as important, and now it's so it's like you know the piper's got to be paid coming up in the near future.
0: Yeah, the waste of your youth, right? Yep, as he says. Wow. Yeah, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, so. <laughs>
2: Let's all take a deep. We, we can all take a breath now. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, because yeah. we're we're all in that. Uh, we're on the we're on the downside of uh of uh our youth um yeah
2: i'm way past the
0: downside of mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh eric you got anything on this um you know i love it i love
2: everything on the album and and i gotta say that um wayne ma- it makes me feel really bad about the score i gave it because when you just look at the lyric it's it's exquisite yeah, yeah. but um And um, you know it. You know it's at at 156. It's kind of a throwaway, but it's a very significant throwaway.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, Eric, what's your score? I gave it a two. Okay, Wayne,
2: not good to dance to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And this is my ten.
4: Woo! Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it just it it hit home. I liked it. All right, next song: Ah me, ah my. But I
3: can't go back, those
4: days have gone I'm only Is reminiscing on so Things aren't what they used to be Are oh my? In days gone by
3: Just take a look
4: at these photographs I took of baby and you They're rather brown but you still can see The love come shining through But a photograph's no substitute I'd Trust rather me have the juice Are on what they used to be Oh my In days gone by I've got a pile of old clothes upstairs that have come in style again
0: I know And Eric, you like the song way more than Wayne and I so I'm going to let you um let you uh, well, ex- explain and what we'll, then maybe we'll, we'll do counterpoint
2: I, I probably like it more than anyone because I wanted to like it more than anyone um <laughs> Uh, no but I, re- I remember the hearing it for the first time and it just it made me feel so good and you know i'd like to live on a farm again like i did for part of the war and just thinking about that generation you know which is kind of between my my parents generation and um and and mine you know my father was i guess my father was born in twenty eight so um now he might have lived on a farm during for part of the war but just that picture of of english life and 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 the um uh, you know, and again, the, the wind instruments, it was just such a funny bit of nostalgia. And it reminded me of the Bee Gees first album, Craze fit and Kirk Royal Academy of Arts, which is another one of my favorite albums and an album I uh, also considered for this. Okay. And ironic that Blue Weaver was in both.
0: I have never listened to that record. So that's, that's a recommendation.
2: Oh, my God. You're The first time I heard that album, I, I'm, I'm straying from this off topic here, but I was in Jerry's Records in Philadelphia, and it came out, I'm thinking, 67, 68. And I heard the, the record over the, uh, over the stereo in the store, and I, I said, when did the Beatles put out a new record? <laughs> and I, I'd heard New York Mining Disaster, which I thought was okay. It was just kind of like an okay pop song. But, you know, I, the, the album is brilliant. It's, it's a total prog. Genius album. It's all over the place, and um, definitely worth your time.
0: Gotcha. All right, homework. All right, Wayne. What do you got on this song? Ah,
1: uh, it was too cartoony. Um,
0: Felt yeah. like a Monty Python song to me.
2: Yeah, just yeah, kind of. That's what I liked about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it.
1: But once again, looking at the lines, it this one was my least favorite, but it, it was most. It was all for the music because I think once again. It's important to the whole story, and some of the lines are just great. You know, uh, all the reminiscing. He's 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 now you know maybe retired. He's older, but he's now looking back at these things, and you know, like photographs I took of the baby, and and you know, there are no substitutes. Yeah. So there's there's this is a definitely a different and less cheerful time in life. But the cartoony music was was ultimately the the demise.
0: Yeah, it was distracting for me as well. So I'm assuming you're, you're, uh, this is lowest score for you as well? Yes. Yeah, and Eric? I'm a nine. Okay. Uh, just shows our, our different uh, different <laughs> ways of looking at this record,
3: definitely.
2: It's funny because there are other songs that have more of the things that I generally love in a song, but that's one of the songs I remembered the most you know that that's one of those records that took a long time to come out on cd and yeah. um it was, my my vinyl was buried and i hadn't heard it in years and that was one of the probably the song i remembered second after benedictus
3: yeah
1: i had one okay. thing i i i think and i will say he's a he is a genius uh lyricist but my, one of the lines i thought was great was i've got a pile of old clothes upstairs that have come in style again <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> they're so old they're vintage they came back
2: and again this is tony hooper this is his one song on the album
0: oh that's right yeah i didn't even uh, talk about the songwriting credits on this but just
2: the fact that they had this this sort of unity of vision between them oh absolutely you know, who god knows what it's just amazing you know it's like a, a beatles record a, a eagles record
0: yeah all right next song is so, so
2: ben ben are you a
0: one i'm a one yeah and this was my okay. least favorite yeah but, but I totally understand where this would be memorable for you because it does stand out. It's so different from the rest of the record. Yeah. So, yeah. Alright, next song is Is It Today Lord.
4: Half light appears, in the weary days Darkness draws near Ways no fear for those who see fear Is this today that I'll
3: reach you? Is it today day long that I reach you
0: in Another song that uh, was probably heavily influenced by Acid as well. Uh, has that whole Ravi, you know, Ravi Shachar fill throughout, right? Yeah,
2: it, it does. But, I, you know, I, I really am uncomfortable with the fact that people associate Indian music with drugs. <laughs> I mean, it's it got a bad rap. Because you know indian musicians as far as i know weren't really dropping acid they they just played like that naturally
0: right well i guess you can thank uh the george harrison and and uh all of that for that association right
2: i you know i wouldn't even put it on them i would put it on all their psychophants and yeah and followers who made it that cuz you know they the beatles were not really i mean yeah they admitted to to, to dropping acid a few times but That was never really their thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, my question is, what came first, this song or Cat Stevens?
2: That you
0: wanted to go to wiki. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I probably should. I probably should have done that. Um, I'm
2: guessing Cat Stevens.
0: Yeah. So my question is, do do you guys think that this song is written from a perspective of somebody that has faith? or somebody that is wrestling with trying to find faith.
1: Well, I I guess you got to say he has faith if he's if he's asking the Lord, but I just feel like cuz there's one of the things that was that I didn't like best about it, but once again I think it's on purpose and important is the way the harmonies are are kind of like cluttered and crowded together in it cuz this guy is obviously scared. I mean, you want to believe and you're not ever going to know until after the and You're never going you know, if, to, if it's not there, you're not going to know. So, but there's yeah. this fear in it. And I, this is one of the ones where there's a lot of one and a half minute songs, kind of transition pieces. And I thought this one could have been done more like that. It, it got maybe went on too long, but that fear of, is it to, I mean, I can only, I don't, I guess someday I'll know, but that, that waking up and wondering if today is the day is, it's got to be terrifying.
2: Yeah. Uh, terrifying or or comforting in some way. I think he's I think he's sort of s- straddling that that line of fear and comfort. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and, and the fact that he uses the the word lord, you know, the the whole saying there are no atheists in foxholes.
0: <laughs> right. Um, or retirement.
2: You know, or I, listen yeah. I mean, listen, I've used a lot of, I've told a lot of Bible stories in, in my songs and I'm, I'm not a religious guy, yeah. but it's, you know, but Oh Lord, sure feels good to say. And like, you know, like Dylan said, you're going to serve somebody. Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, in fact, I was, I was going to throw it over to you, Eric. You just kind of answered that. I'm like, uh, you guys have a ton of songs that are from a spiritual perspective. So are you coming from it with, somebody who has faith or somebody who's wrestling with faith or from a different slant?
2: Um, that's a big question. and I, Oh, I, I know. Wait. Um, okay. My, my pat answer, I, I, you can, you'll hear this on every podcast I've done, but it's, it's, <laughs> this is as close as I can come to, to a, a, an explanation. The fact that I don't believe in God doesn't mean I love her any less.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you get some scores.
2: Let's go. Okay. All right,
0: Wayne. Two. Eric. Six. This is my four. Okay. All right. And now we're at the journey's end. Literally, we're at the journey's end. Here we go. Where
4: the crossways meet. There's but one road to the journey's end. The wanderer bent with his heavy load is waiting for a friend sun sinks slowly behind the hill the dead leaves lie where the wind has blown likewise he who has traveled far must find his way alone
0: so songwriting credits for this go to cousins and weaver And, um, this is a nice bow to me. I like, I like it. It's a very cool ending. Um, definitely just kind of puts it all in a nice little, little package here of the old gray man with his heavy load. No longer needs a friend.
1: Yep. Uh, An answer to the question from the previous song. Um, I love that he referenced the wanderer, which is referenced in Benedictus at the very beginning. I think that's, that was awesome. Um, it's one of the songs that it's short and ends abruptly, which I I had this feeling for hearing more, but alas, that's not how it goes.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And this yeah. is and this song's only a minute 46. So it and it and it doesn't feel like a throwaway song. It doesn't feel like a minute 46. I feel like this is again, it's a good way to end a record. I love the sequencing of this.
3: Yeah, it's,
2: it's uh, you know, it, this song reminds me of a, a Zen proverb that, I, that I, I'm fond of. And, um, it's a story about a, a young novice monk who's walking down the road, and he sees the old master approaching um, with a great burden on his back, stooped over. And when the master and the novice meet, the novice asks him, Oh, great master, what is enlightenment? And the master doesn't say a word. He takes the burden off and stands up straight. And the novice looks at him and says, "Oh, I get it." Then, what comes after enlightenment? At which point the master takes the burden back, stoops, and goes along his way. <laughs> so somehow the song that, that I heard that many years after the song, but it res- made me think of the song.
0: Perfect. Yeah, perfect. All right, this is my eight, Wayne. Cool. Seven. And Eric
2: four but you know i'm I'm having buyer's remorse
0: now (laughs) oh yeah no i got it i got it um i did find one other song so on the 1998 cd release i guess there were a couple outtakes um i really liked the song here it comes really liked it a lot Mm -hmm. but as i'm going through this and i'm thinking about the album as a whole I think they made the right call not to include it. Cause I don't know where you would put this in on the sequencing.
1: Yeah. I think right, considering, right. yeah. Like I say, considering the, the story, um, the journey, if you will, uh, this is, you gotta stop here. You gotta end it here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think there was one other song I'm going home, which I didn't like as much as, uh, as I liked here it comes. So, and and also I don't know I guess you could have put it towards the end because I'm going home um, but yeah I, um, I'm i glad they didn't put those on
2: yeah now, bear in mind that this was vinyl originally and vinyl when you went above 18 minutes aside you would lose some level and some fidelity so yeah. there were some time considerations as well
0: yeah and you guys, you guys had those considerations too because I think there's a missing song or two off of some of your records from cassettes or CDs, right?
2: We left the title song off of nervous night off of the vinyl.
0: Right. Yeah. Which is the reason why I still have it on cassette.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, all right. Well, this is the point where I say, did we miss anything? Did we cover everything? We miss anything? Got it. I think we got it.
2: Yeah, we got it. One through 12 and and the outtakes.
0: Let's go through our top five. So I already gave you the uh, the heavy disguise as our top song. Second song was Benedictus with an average score of 10, followed by Queen of Dreams. And then um, after that was Hey Little Man, Thursday's Child because of Wayne's uh, 11. And then um, On Growing Older that rounded out our top 5.
3: Yep.
1: Nice.
0: So, what's interesting on the scores though is when you look at uh 6 through 10, they all hover around like um six, 5 to 6 average score. So, yeah, we were Yep. kind of all over here with the scores, but you know, I think we already no, we, ha- we already explained that. <laughs> I
2: think we're, you know, we're all coming at it from slightly different angles. Um, You know, I'm still kind of coming at it from my 18-year-old perspective. I still feel the same way when I hear this album as I did then. Um, You know, I think since it was a new record for you guys, you're coming at it from a different perspective. And maybe if I heard the album now for the first time, that, you know, my perspective might be different.
0: But it takes you back to a certain time frame, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, I... I just listened to, to, to one way home yesterday. And, uh, I was like, "Ah, this still reminds me of being 19. And, well, that's, and I'm good with that. That's yeah. That's what it's supposed That's it. That's
2: what it's supposed to do.
0: Yeah. Yep. Well, Eric, this has been fun.
2: Yes, this was great. Really fun
0: yeah really fun so to remind our listeners where they can find all the happenings of uh eric bazillion
2: um well there's the facebook page and then there's my private facebook but i'm up at five thousand friends there's at eric bazillion on instagram and twitter and um i am actually rebooting my website which i haven't looked at since 2013 but that's just going to be a landing pad for my socials
0: gotcha all right
2: and the hooters are and all with uh, you know all things working out We are celebrating our 40th anniversary this year. We have a big tour in Germany. We've got some shows in um, in the US coming uh, coming in the summer, hopefully.
0: So I'm in I'm in Orlando. You guys going to be doing any of the food and wine festival stuff at uh, Disney World again?
2: Um, It hasn't. Nothing's in the books yet, but I wouldn't be surprised, and I think there might be another show. I know we, we played in Clearwater. Uh, last time, I know was our I... first show, our first show outside of the Philadelphia area, besides the, uh, the uh, Disney shows in,
0: in years. I was so pissed. Was very... I, I was on the road. I was on the road last year when you guys came to Clearwater. I would have driven the <sighs> two hours to go over there for it, but uh,
3: well,
2: hopefully it will happen again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, um, we always ask our guests. So who do you know that I don't know who'd want to join us on this podcast route to revisit one of their favorite records?
2: Um, Hmm. I could ask Paul Stanley.
0: That'd be awesome.
3: <laughs> Hell yeah. Um,
2: Challenge. Yeah. I mean, um, Pete Townsend uh, answers my emails. <laughs> um, I, but uh, get it but more realistically. Um, uh, do you know Dave Hawes? Are you familiar with him?
0: I love Dave. In fact, we uh, are, our, our, our guest two, two, uh, two episodes ago played with Dave. And, um, so I just shot, uh, I shot them, um, uh, his management, another email and said, look, oh. we've, we've brought up Dave's name multiple times. We got to get him on.
2: I, uh, I produced his last two records. such such a good record and philly yeah we did them at my studio i played most of the guitars on those records oh
0: my gosh fantastic all right i love saboteur so yeah yeah
2: dave's great dave's great we uh we have a great history to get um he i was connected with him via helen light at wxpn who uh, sent me an email and said um there's this artist from Philadelphia. He lives in, uh, in California now, but he really wants to get in touch with you. Of course, I said. So he sends me this email. When he was nine years old, his uncle took him to his first concert, which was the Hooters at the Tower Theater. <laughs> and uh, that was his Beatles on Ed Sullivan moment. Gotcha. So like, and, you know, would you come down and play a couple songs with us when we play in Philadelphia? I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And I, you know, I loved him, his brother, and, and ended up doing doing a bunch of records with him.
0: That is awesome. All right, we'll put in the good word for us as well.
2: That I can definitely
0: do. Perfect. All right. So, as a reminder for for all of our listeners, you can find all of our happenings on our Facebook page for the Records Revisited podcast. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter at Podcast Records, and of course, you can find all of our old episodes on all of the major platforms: uh, Apple Podcasts, Castbox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify. And you can also go to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. Check out all of our happenings as well. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. This is where I would tell you to go to a live show. But um, yeah, there aren't any live shows. So check your favorite artists out on the old internet. I'm sure they're doing some live stuff. So go check them out. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Definitely buy a record. We are Records Revisited. And we are out.
3: Out.